0: Leading a state or local government agency in the U.S., but finding it hard to get rid of operational and technological inefficiencies. You don't need to look any further, because help is here. Welcome to Rethink IT with Abhijit Virakar, a podcast dedicated to helping municipal leaders, city and county managers, mayors, CIOs, city or county council members, and others rethink IT and make government more efficient. Hello and welcome to
1: today's episode of Rethink IT. My guest today is Sean Gilbert, who is the Executive Director at the Morristown Housing Authority in Tennessee. Sean, welcome to the show. Good to be here, AZ. You're new in your role at Morristown, but you've been an Executive Director before and you've spent some time in Knoxville and now you're in Morristown. What's your story? What's your journey? How did you end up in this position?
2: My fascination with Urban revitalization or downtown revitalization started in college when I took a class uh, called Natural Disasters or Catastrophic Disasters. It made me start thinking, you know, how things can go bad quickly. And so I got into the sort of the mode of studying how that stuff works. And once I got out of college, that's sort of the mode I went into work in Pennsylvania, a neighborhood coordinator, my first job in a mid sized town in Altoona, and just sort of worked my way through the governmental system there and in West Virginia, which is where I was raised, and then sort of got fascinated. I saw a job, didn't know Section 8 from public housing, but I saw a a job at the Pikeville Kentucky Housing Authority and went for that job and got it and worked as an executive director. Didn't know what Section 8 was (laughs) from the get-go. Once you get into the housing side of things, it sort of ruins you for, for anything else or it makes you unmarketable for anything else. I'm not sure which. So I was there for about 19 years. We were a mid-sized agency. We're able to grow the agency, expand into multiple different affordable housing realms, had connections in Knoxville KC, KCDC. After about 19 years in Kentucky, thought, you know, time to see, you know, what you can do on the bigger stage. And was really interested. We developed about all we were gonna develop in that part of the Eastern uh, Kentucky so I wanted to go where a much larger format at KCDC had about 7,500 units in my portfolio. But what was really exciting was the ability to hop into continue development, continue figuring out how to, to grow this thing on a bigger scale, how to redevelop properties and how to do all that. So that was sort of where my, my mindset was. Went there, loved it. It was a great organization to work for. But, um, as you get older, you start stepping back, thinking, you know, I like being the one in charge and being the one that can take the blame or, or mm-hmm. take the, uh, I guess the credit that comes with it. Also, as you get older, you start thinking, well, Morristown's a little bit slower paced and quality of life. So great quality of life. The, the field has just been fantastic. Affordable housing is, it's frustrating. It's aggravating. But it's also ultimately very rewarding because, you know, when you drive around town and you see all the rooftops, you know, you're helping a lot of people that are in those, rooms, in those homes.
1: Did I hear right that the executive director position in, in Kentucky was your first job in housing?
2: It was my first job in housing. I've actually worked wow. for in neighborhood and community development, downtown development. Yeah. Uh, prior to that. But similar, you know, you, you deal with the HUD programs. A lot for that but it's more the cdbg home side of it i did have that sort of expertise at the time even though i was fairly young but my very first day on the job at a housing authority is, went in as an executive director at, at the high School housing authority so it and, is a and, culture shock yeah i bet and, and,
1: did they have section 8
2: we had section 8 and public housing and we were able to branch out and do Farmers Home at the time, now it's uh, RECD housing, mm-hmm. and to also do low-income housing tax credit, develop those sort of properties. Partner with people to do a Scholar House, which is a pretty cool idea. So the Scholar House program, you find parents that want to go back to school, so we provided housing for those individuals as well. Pretty much had to be a parent, and you know it was all about making sure that their kids are taken care of and they're taken care of while they're learning whatever it is, whatever it is they want to do going forward.
1: All right. That's cool. And, you know, kind of ties into my next question is that's pretty innovative. You and I have talked before and innovation doesn't always have to be technology or blinking lights or, you know, how do you think about think about innovation and how do you apply that to your, to your job?
2: A lot of the housing industry is aging out. As I came over here, we have a lot of people that's been here 25, 30 years. And the housing industry has been pretty static in that we've done it this way. We've always done it this way. And we're going to keep doing it this way. Very paper-centric. So we tried to do it KCDC. And now we're doing it at Morristown. It's a change in direction. You know, we are going to more of a business model instead of just being a governmental agency we have to be able to provide for the community while providing for ourselves Mm -hmm. so we're we're looking at all angles uh, both as far as what we're doing internally as well as what we're doing on the production side internally we're really looking at things the pandemic although it's been a horrible catastrophe has also provided opportunities for us to look at new operational modes and methods so We're looking at things, you know, when we look at the IT side in particular, we're really looking at customer service and ways to really improve our commercial customer service, but also improve our uh, ability to become more efficient. Mm -hmm. So if we can become more efficient, use what we have, grow what we have, use the technology that's there that we haven't used in the past... You know, right now, our customers, you know, we're not having contact with our customers. So we've developed modes to have, without that personal contact, to keep in touch with them and to keep them getting the information that we need from, from them while providing them the information they need to survive. I think in the long run, we come out of the back end of this, we're going to be much more better set moving forward to provide services to all of our individuals even though we're not necessarily providing all the services we want now, we'll Mm -hmm. be able to step right back in provide the personal services, but we'll also be able to push out information, whether it's, you know, just pushing, you know, using an app to push out information to our residents. You know, there's food distribution going to be on X street or come over here, we're having an event for the kids. So we can use these push notifications, even things that aren't good, if shots fired, push Mm -hmm. notifications, stay away from Main Street. So we're looking at all this stuff and also the way we communicate with people saying, your research coming up. We can get that information to you and be able to virtually as much as possible get that information so we're not just having to hound them and do all that. So virtual showings on units, just things like that. Anything we can do to make us more marketable, while making the customer experience better and making worker satisfaction better, all ties in. Of course, we do that with budget constraints that are typically, with the capital backlogs we have, we have to make a choice between these IT needs or how we're going to provide better units for our people. So all that being said, we're trying to look 10 years down the line, take care of our IT needs, which are a big thing with customer service, people don't necessarily give people that live in affordable housing credit, but there many of them and most of them are very tech savvy. They know how to operate their phones. They know how to operate their Xboxes or their PlayStations mm-hmm. to communicate with us. So the, the more we can do to bring them into the fold, the happier people we're going to have in the open lines of communication. It's going to make it better for our staff because we don't necessarily have residents in yelling at us when we can take care of the situation when they're in their house instead of them yeah. being here
1: how many residents do you guys serve
2: We all of our different section 8 public housing we have about 11, we have 1100 almost okay. to the dot so yeah. we're big enough that we have the metropolitan flavor but we're small enough that i can look out and know there's five lakes within a few miles of me yeah. so it's That's sort awesome. of the best of both worlds
1: you took over what last year around this time
2: yeah. Um, that's
1: it's six months ago. Six months ago. So right in the middle of, of the pandemic, I mean, not that it's over, but when we didn't know which direction it was going to go and you had to take on this important job and and make sure at a very vulnerable time to, for, for your population to keep delivering services. So kudos to you. It, it's like jumping on a rodeo horse as it's going. How did you come up with the solutions that you needed right away?
2: Well, luckily, you know, Morristown was fairly, it was well-run before. So it was just, it just needed to be pushed into more of a non-traditional public service to a more traditional business model. As we try to navigate somewhat away from the governmental side of it and, and provide best for ourselves and for our residents that's a big step for a quasi-governmental agency. When you start talking about net operating income and stuff like that that they haven't had to worry about in the past so it's an educational process for the staff so we've been going through that we're converting all of our properties through what's called the RAD program away from public housing into more of a Section 8 private-based model and as we do that it's a large educational process although really what we're hoping during this is that the customers the residents won't feel any of that pain because they will will keep operating as much as possible the same. So you're trying to balance that out and get staff over into the business mode mindset as opposed to just coming in and this is a governmental organization. We're becoming so much more than that in the affordable housing industry. You know, we want to produce this area here has a real shortness of traditional housing And affordable housing, there's a lot of manufacturing that goes on here. And, you know, it took me months to find a house. If it's taking someone months to find a house, can you imagine what the rental market is? So tight. So we're trying to find ways to make a dent in that and make an impact to bring our our work base, which I look at, I always look at affordable housing as economic infrastructure. Mm -hmm. They have to be near the jobs. It's difficult for someone that is making minimum wage to pay for for transportation to work while they're also trying to pay their rent. So when we produce it, you have to be very cognizant of what kind of population and where you're putting them. So it's just a, a sort of a whole new world there. And I think I've sort of veered off the question you asked. No. So, but as far as jumping in, you know, it's just been, a different mindset. We've talked a lot about innovation and, and use of things and that's where we want to be here. It's we want to be innovative. We also gotta be mindful of taking care of our customers and our residents while we're doing that, not losing the sight of why we're do what we do.
1: And some great points, Sean. That's innovation to me. You're you're taking something that has traditionally for the last almost hundred years been been a government program, right? It's welfare, it's seen as handouts in certain parts of the media and press, but you're turning it into the housing business as as you see it. Because you're right, it's not just an affordable housing problem, it's a housing problem. East Tennessee, where you were, where you are, but you know, in, in Blount County and Knox County here, it's hard to find rentals and houses to buy, same as Morristown. And the challenge is, how do you make it, how do you have sustainable growth? You have Amazon investing here, you have Denso investing here. They can't find people because people can't find houses. How does the Public Housing Authority fit into that that puzzle?
2: It can be difficult because you know as well as I do, the production side of it is extremely expensive, especially coming out of this pandemic with the price of labor and materials having gone up exponentially over the last year. There are modes out there, whether it's the Affordable Housing Tax Credit Program, Fannie Mae, FHA, whoever it is, Tennessee has a community investment tax credit program. So we're looking at all those to look at areas to where we can build. But while we're doing that, we also have to be very proactive in letting people know that the vast majority of their people aren't what people think of in traditional public housing. Right. You have about 35% of our people are elderly and or disabled. So in my mind, those are people like my their brothers or their fathers that, you know, I think we have an obligation to take care of. The rest of the people are are a workforce. I I remember I would go into Knoxville to eat quite often. You'd look in a restaurant and the place would be half empty, but if you have an hour and a half wait. And the reason was there weren't enough workers within close enough distance to fill all the jobs. It's not necessarily that people don't, you know, people say people won't work. Well, people can't get to work. If you're working for seven eight nine dollars an hour and you live 25 miles away and you've got a, a vehicle that's 20 years old first car, first time that car breaks down you don't have a job. so it creates situations to where we're looking at if we build elderly housing we want them to be near the services that they need such as hospitals and doctors whereas if we're building family sites we need them to be near areas that where, where the jobs are. Because mm-hmm. we have a captive workforce, we just got to find a way to get them to work. Yeah.
1: That's a good analogy. I mean, you know, back 10 years ago, there were empty units, 10 year wait lists. It's a similar problem. Has that gotten any better?
2: Depending on the bedroom size, you know, the smaller <laughs> bedroom size, we can have six to nine month wait lists for people to get on. And, and during the pandemic, people aren't moving, mm-hmm. addiction moratoriums in place. So people have hunkered down and the production has slowed down because the problems you've had with COVID. Mm -hmm. I know we had multiple projects in Knoxville that we shut down at various times because of issues with COVID. If you're working in an elderly high rise or elderly units, you have to be very cognizant of you want to either improve those units. If they're units that are currently occupied, well, you don't want to bring COVID into a unit that is, or a building that is full of elderly people that are much more apt to have issues with this virus. So it's definitely slowed down production. The cost going up has, has not helped. I gotta give you Congress some credit. You know, the CARES Act has been very helpful. It's allowed us to resituate ourselves. So if, God forbid there is another pandemic. I can shut down my office and my staff can work from home now, whereas they couldn't before. So although it wouldn't be quite as efficient as what we're doing now, we can still limp by and get through. So that's been good. It's just forced the total, you know, you and I have talked about this. We've really looked at changing the industry and in the way that we operate, even pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. but the pandemic's really allowed us to focus on where we want to look at on the back end of this. And I think we're going to look totally different. And I think a lot of people are.
1: Yeah. I mean, whole industries have changed and it's been great for, the adoption of technology, right? I do miss the in-person meetings. I hope we can get back to it pretty soon. But people that didn't know Zoom now are zooming all day. I mean, there's some fatigue there, but I don't see us going back to like we used to travel three or four times a month. I was on an airplane. I haven't been on one in in a year. But things are changing rapidly. You mentioned things like virtual tours of of your units. Stuff like smart city, the term smart cities gets thrown around a lot, right? When you don't realize that there are minor, small applications like that, that can make you a smart organization. What sort of things are you, is the housing industry doing to make virtual life more accessible to to people?
2: Well, Morristown's been really, really good. You know, one of the lost aspects are the, all the kids' virtual learning mm-hmm. uh, right now, so We've been able to make sure that virtually all of our kids have tablets or laptops and access to the internet. But even with that, you know, parents aren't trained to be teachers. So right. now we're taking it the next step and we're <clears throat> working with the school system, hopefully, to catch up on some of the, do the virtual lag this summer. So we're looking at those niches, but we're also looking at, our, our, for example, our website. We want our website to be a hub. We don't want it just to be pictures of Morristown Housing Authority. We want, whether you're a landlord, whether you're a vendor, whether you're a resident or whether you're a staff member or just a general member of the public, we want the people that when they come to the website to have this be a virtual experience at some point where you can see our units, where you can have videos of the units, where you can check your rent, where you can pay your rent, where you can put in a work order, where you can leave a message without necessarily having to do anything except for to go to that one central depository, a forms library where, you know, you can see what MHA is doing. So the more we, we can drive our, our customers to that, it, it'll track the traffic, which is great. We, we don't have really have a mechanism to track what comes into the office, but we can track what is has, leaves a digital footprint. Yeah. And we can see where people are going. For example, what pages are they going to? And we can focus on making that as positive experience for them as possible. And why aren't they going to other areas that we feel are important? Yeah. And then try to make that more attractive or location. So, you know, for us, our website's going to be a big thing because, you know, we think that can be a central depository. Whereas, you know, we have residents that are 25 miles from here. If they can do all that from their home, you know, they haven't spent $8 in gas and two hours of their life trying to come here. And hopefully we can get there, whether it's a complaint or whether it's a work order or whether it's just the normal yearly information we have to get Mm -hmm. If we can do all that for them, they can turn around, you know, they move out of their property, but they can turn around and say, hey... MHA is a great place to, to go and, and to live. You know, it's almost like, you know, to get your Yelp
1: score up. Well, it ties into your, your vision of running it like a business and mm-hmm. turning those metrics. You've got a big vision, Sean. How do you translate that to or your tech team? I know you have, do you have an IT team in-house?
2: Yeah, me. Okay. Not just me. We have two other staff members okay. that are very tech, yeah. really three or four. So we have a, a very talented, well-rounded staff. When you're at an agency of our size, you, you sort of become a jack-of-all-trades. Yeah. For the first 20 years of my life, you know, as tech developed, you know, we didn't have, when I started out, we didn't even have cell phones. So we have people here that have gone through that, so they understand that side of it. They understand the housing side of it. Hopefully, what I bring is experience in other areas and what has worked and a vision to move us towards that side of it. A short way of saying, no, we don't have an IT staff, but we have a group of dedicated knowledgeable people that are trying to work with our vendors to get right. where we're going. And, and we're pretty good at pushing our vendors. Sometimes, you know, they're really good at saying you know, we're working on that and we'll have that soon. As soon as I hear the word soon, I want a definition. Yep. What does that mean? My mind soon is six weeks. Your mind soon might be six mm-hmm. months. So that's what, where we're getting much better at. And some of this stuff, you know, just maintenance. You know, we, we're we so paper-centric on maintenance. So we were able finally to get our, all their our maintenance staff tablets. Mm-hmm. You know, they can be from 2 to 25 miles away from us. If we have a work order come in, it makes no sense for them to drive back, pick up a work order, and go back out. Yeah. So now we have the capability to push them out the work order. They can fill it out right there. They don't have to come back. And we don't ever see any paper.
1: What do you use for your backend for, for processes like that?
2: We, we use Scott Accounting as their software provider. Okay. Their niche is they're pretty good at what they do. They're better than the ones that I previous work, previously mm-hmm. worked with. Thankfully, I won't name any names.
1: No no names. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> names. Again, the big vision for, for you is to transform, not just... And you're, you're active in NARO and Cirque because, you know... Your vision is to transform Morristown housing into a well-oiled machine. Where do you see the housing industry in general going? Is is everyone doing that as an industry or are you one of the pioneers?
2: Well, you like to think no matter what you're on the cutting edge, whether you are or not. So I, I don't know that I want to go too far down that road, but I think HUD is finally doing a good job of pushing out repositioning and explaining it to people. There are so many industry people in our industry that still don't understand what repositioning and asset management really is. We've run our housing authorities for so long. There's so many small agencies that struggle with that. And it's not due to any fault of their own. It's just, you know, that's ne- never been part of what they've had to do. So HUD has got much better at training people, getting out the information, and showing you the tools to where you can possibly... Find ways to leverage your property to make capital investments into your property. And once you learn that and you start making those capital investments and you do get a positive cash flow, you can really start looking at your IT needs and say, look, you know, I'm not having to throw all my money at roofs. Mm-hmm. I'm not having to throw all my money at appliances or you know windows or whatever it is you got on your capital backlog that you can start saying, I can start working on the customer experience and the the experience that we have as employees. That's another side of this, you know, as we're going through this, I really want to be cognizant of our employee satisfaction. You know, we have good long-term employees that have shown that they know what they're doing, but we're entering a new Mm -hmm. realm and a new phase of the way we can use technology and we can use other resources to move forward keeping them satisfied and happy and valued during this process can sometimes be hard to do because most people don't like change. I happen to be a, one of the weirdos to do.
1: Yeah. And the problem of attracting talent is it's a housing authority. It becomes then a, a marketing challenge, right? How do you, how do you appear cool to the, to the new generation?
2: I've never met an individual that works necessarily in affordable housing that went to school thinking I want to work for a housing authority. I certainly didn't finding those people, especially here at Morristown that have that experience is definitely difficult. And finding someone that wants to stick around and is excited by um, nerdy things like this yeah. is, can even be more of a challenge.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, Sean, I, I appreciate your time. Is there anything we missed that you want to talk about?
2: No, I appreciate the chance to talk to you. It's always great to talk to you, and and uh, hopefully I'll be back in the alcoa Maribel area sometime shortly and we can
1: get together in person. Absolutely, Sean. Look forward to it.
0: We have just concluded another information-driven episode of Rethink IT. Join us again next week and continue to discover how to rethink IT and implement new and better ways to deliver world-class government services. To access the show notes and other episodes, or to learn more about working with Abhijit Varikar and Avero Advisors, visit averoadvisors.com/ forward slash rethink IT. We hope to see you again next time so we can continue to build a smarter government. Until next time.